brought to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to the interview. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, businessmen and women, and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. My guest today is a big guy in real estate, event planning and fitness. Actually, to be honest, at six foot four, today's guest is a big guy full stop. Michael Naudi is probably most known for bringing the grid to the booming Maltese OCR scene. But going back a few years, Mike has always been, also been an award-winning international basketball player playing for Malta before settling into the senior men's team <laughs> at Dupriro Basketball Club. That was the last one. Michael has also been a department store brand manager and a sports retail manager before turning his charm to real estate and concentrating on making the grid everything that it could be. Welcome, <laughs> Michael. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm really good. How are Quite you? Quite an introduction. <laughs> You know, this is what everybody says. It's very flattering, I must admit. <laughs> Listen, we want to talk about all sorts of things today, but let's talk about you as sportsman Michael first. Because yeah. you started out as a basketball player uh, and did very well, of course, because I've been tracking your, yeah. going through your history and tracking your history through basketball. But is this just because you're incredibly tall and incredibly tall for Maltese or is this because you had a leaning towards basketball? How did this all come about? Not at all. Um, really, I used to play football. And my brother loved basketball. And being the younger brother, I, I chased to be like my brother. So I decided, let's go, let's go for basketball. Uh, I am actually short for basketball. <laughs> so that is one thing that um, it's a big drawback on the sport because if you're not of a certain height and you're not a certain speed, um, height plays a big role. So, but locally I did okay. I represented Malta internationally. I played for about 23 years. So <laughs> I, I made the best of it. Uh, well, yes, I would say you did very, very <laughs> well indeed. Okay, so then you obviously went on to other things, but why did you quit basketball? Is that an age thing? or It's totally <laughs> age. <laughs> um, I had, you start to realize you're getting slower, you, you can't jump as high, and your performance maybe is not what in your head it, it should be. Uh, my brother started coaching at a team which was Rabat. I had already stopped for a year. I went just because there was my brother and my best friend, Omar, um, but my body told me, forget it. So I decided at 39 or 38, that would be the end of the story. But you did go into the senior men's team, which when I saw it, I laughed because you think of senior men and, and <laughs> you don't think of Michael now. No, do you, when they say men. senior men, they actually <laughs> mean the competitive group, okay? The senior men is the adults, that's the, the league, the championship. It's not the. Old grandpa league. <laughs> <laughs> With the graying beard, sorry. Um, just saying, but do you miss it? Do you miss sport at a competitive level like that? I miss the feeling of being um, really healthy, being able to play, being able to jump fast and so on. 
I have not touched the ball since I retired, so I guess I don't, I don't miss the game itself locally. Uh, if it was abroad, possibly locally, there's not a lot going on, so not not so much, no. And so then, how did you channel those maybe competitive tendencies and that sports mind? Because you're all about sports. Yeah, all about sports, and uh, I'm quite competitive. Um, especially in the family, we were quite competitive. So what happened after basketball or when we knew basketball was starting to... We weren't performing like when we were 20 or 22. We started looking for other outlets. One of them was I went on a holiday to the UK to do an OCR race. It was 32 kilometers with 200 obstacles. Uh, and when I came back, I said, we could do that on Mo in Malta. And so when was this? Because OCR is relatively new. In Malta, I can remember seven or eight years ago, no one really was I think about it. it was 2015 or 2014 or 15 that, I, that we went to UK. Uh, we came back. Within a year, we drew up the brand and so on. In 2016, we had our first grid. So May 2016, we had the first grid that took place. We're going to go into all of that in a, in a minute. We're yeah. going to talk about the grid. We're going to talk about OCR and everything that's happening. But... Going on, going back to you and your sports story, has sports then always dominated your life? And, and if so, how do you manage that sports life balance? Because you talked about being at competitive level with basketball. That takes commitment. That takes an effort. That takes drive. And now, of course, then you go off and do a 32-kilometer <laughs> OCR with 200 obstacles. Yeah. You have to be pretty fit for that. But now you're managing it. I manage it much better when I got older than when I was younger. When I was, I think, until up the, uh, to the age of 25, 26, I took my fitness for granted. It came naturally. You know, I have friends that used to wake up 6 o'clock and go and play basketball, go to work, then train again. I never did that until I was 27, 26, where I started to realize, look, if you actually train, you'll be better. Because we weren't brought up in that way. I just had a brother who was crazy about training all the time. And then I possibly took it for granted that I was taller, bigger, you know, and I had those advantages. And then I started to realize, look, you have to be in shape and you perform. Once you're in shape, you perform better. No matter what it is, fitness is 80% of the game. Okay, then, then everything else flows with that because you're, more, you're calmer, you're relaxed, you're, your mind is not suffering because you're out of breath. So everything rolls on. When I got older, I started to push and push and push more on my fitness. So I started looking for more things that could push that fitness. And I found OCR at that stage. But going back to that work life and, and sports life yeah. balance, how do you, I mean, even OCR takes a lot of commitment. Like you just said, 80% of it is being fit. Well, that's yeah. not something you can get up on a Saturday, run for five kilometers and you're fit. You have to commit to that. Yeah, you have to be, there has to be a certain element of determination and um, even selfishness to one point, I think. It's like you have that pride that is just for you that you want to be sure you're performing and you're beating the other guy. Um, the thing balancing work, work life in Malta is even more difficult because we're not a country that focuses on sports as much as if you go overseas. Uh, overseas, they're educated that sports can be your, your career. Malta still, sports is a hobby. Even if you're playing football, unfortunately, they still have another job. But if we want to become better and compete with other nationalities, we have to educate the kids that, look, sports, if you can go abroad and get a job and you start playing properly and training properly, it can be a career. 
And I don't think there is anything to think that Maltese are not as good as the Italians or the English, right? If you start training properly, you can be, and that is the goal and should be the goal. And I'm hearing this over and over and over again. Uh, last week we had uh, Andy from Athletics, Athletics Malta, yeah. yeah, talking about exactly the same thing, that to get good sportsmen, you have to start young. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how you've tackled that in just a minute. But don't you think that in Malta we are seeing a change towards sports. Because, I, you know, I've been here 16 years and I'm seeing cycling, OCR has exploded. The amount of races that people are taking part in, is that just an illusion or, or is that always been like that? I, I think there's more now and you see more, as in you have social media that you wouldn't have been that some things would not have been visible and now are very visible because of social media and you're seeing that things are going on and maybe it's a bit more to participate is a bit, a bit easier. I think when you get to the level of people are aware that it's important to keep fit for just the everyday thing, yes, it's growing. Uh, I think in the quality of preparation when you take it from, let's say, semi-amateur sports, I think there's still a long way to go. I think unless let's say, unless all government departments pull the same rope and they have an understanding, look, there's a sports event, we have to help them out no matter what. Unless these ropes are all intertwined, it's, it's going to still be a bit difficult to get the ball rolling. But education is the first step, and that has to start from kids that are as young as five, you know, five, six, whatever. Well, that sort of plays into my next question, which follows on from that, which is about the obesity rates in Malta. The obesity rate in Malta is one of the highest in Europe, and you therefore would assume that perhaps sports isn't high on the agenda. Now, when I had this conversation with Andy, I said, as, as a teenager, as a child, as a five-year-old growing up in the school system, we had hours every week dedicated to different sports. Is that where it starts? Is that how we change attitudes? We start with young people? I think it all starts at the schools. Uh, all of the schools... But even then, it's the parents that come, obviously, who make a difference. But along the side with sports, let's not only think that sports is not just training. Sports is also nutrition, your mindset, how you're going to approach things via nutrition and via your mindset. So if these things are not all intertwined into the education system, let alone the fitness side, the others are not following, it's still going to be very hard. So people don't understand that if you do five hours training and then you go home and you eat rubbish, you did that five hours training for nothing, technically, you know. You're not always going to be 18 and burn it off in, in five hours. You, you have to have all the top athletes in the world, if you take Cristiano Ronaldo, if you take LeBron James and these, they're all across the board, nutrition, fitness, everything is in line together and we have to get to that stage where we're educating people to take that on. That's a long process. Very long process. We're going to come to Very how we process. change attitudes towards sports a little bit later on. But let's talk about OCR first, yeah. because you are all about OCR. I had no idea that your journey with OCR started because you went and did this amazing race. <laughs> yes, me and Omar. You crazy <laughs> lunatic. But you went and did this race and you said, let's bring it to Malta. And, and back then, as I mentioned, I can remember the first time that OCR was mentioned was about 2014, 2015. We hadn't seen anything no. on the islands before that. It had, I don't think even in, in Malta, it was still, before we came along, there was no OCR, really. 
And then in 2016, after we launched, we saw the growth was just amazing. Um, one and o OCR, just for anyone that's listening and doesn't know what that means, OCR stands for? <laughs> Obstacle course racing. Okay. And basically, it's taking the boring out of running. <laughs> oh, to all the runners out there, that was a no, stab in the stomach. There's, there's a lot of people that running is running is great, but a lot of people, because running is so mentally tough until you're in shape. When you're in shape, running is lovely because you can keep, go on for hours. But until you're in shape, running is very difficult to do. I was one of them. I used to hate running. And that was one of the things that interested me in OCR because if it's a 10K, a 20K, the obstacles in the course distract you from the tiredness of the running. So I wouldn't get tired doing a 10-kilometer obstacle course, but I'd die doing a 10-kilometer run, you know? So your mind plays a lot of these games. But that's nuts. But it's the mind. It's just if you're bored, it's, you know, time feels longer, you know, that type of thing. But you it's have the same. To climb up these ropes and, but that's and jump fun over and distracting. Tires. Well, that's your <laughs> idea of fun. Um, no, of course it is. And it, it's, it is great fun. It's one of the yeah. things that people love about OCR that is, it is very different. And you mix it up and it's good fun. And it's a good team building thing. It's a good to do with friends. It's a great laugh. Uh, obviously, let a the elite is great to watch, but the, seeing the friends accomplish certain obstacles together is just amazing. Well, yes, of course, because I can remember the time that I've done the grid with you. I was actually <laughs> running in the wave with the armed forces, yeah. and thank you ever so much <laughs> to them. I'd never done it before. I'd never, ever done an OCR course before, and God bless them, they literally got my butt, and they shoved me over the, over the that's, obstacles. That's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> the teamwork of getting your hand on someone's bum and just and throwing them over propelling a wall. <laughs> them across an obstacle. So you decided that this was something that we needed in Malta. And the grid was born. The grid was born, yeah. And then I went to another crazy friend of mine, which was uh, Ryan Kalea, who used to work with me. He's a great, great designer. And uh, we said, let's try and do this. And within, I think, three, four months, we launched it. So it was something that really happened quickly. And we're three people that have different capabilities and we work great together. Everyone has their own role. We don't really interfere in each other's roles. They probably don't believe me that I'm saying <laughs> this, but um, but yes, it fit in, it took off, and after that, the rest is six years later, we're doing five in a year. <laughs> well, yes, because it's exploded. Yes, but we're not quite there yet, because we can talk about that yes. as well. But going back a step, uh, talking, I mean, it, it was, obviously, it was a risk. And had any of you really put anything together like this before what when you sat down and you said let's do this what were your expectations and and had you got previous previous experiences putting sports events together well myself and ryan worked um, with hudson holdings who had the distribution of nike for example and we were always involved maybe indirectly or directly with helping set up sponsorship so we'd set up the banners and the flags for the marathon or we'd help with a five-a-side tournament and things like this um, but going back my father was always a, a club man he was always organizing stuff so it kind of fit in and since we were actually sports people it was a bit easier to do um, the things we found tough were possibly permits who to talk to to get that road closed who to talk to to get the police and st stuff like that but those are things you learn by at least Malta are small, so a lot of people help you out as well. Um, but that's how it started rolling. And once we did the first one, we felt, okay, let's listen to what people have to tell us. We got lots of feedback. We gathered lots of feedback. Um, and every year we try and make it better by listening to what people are saying. 
But your expectations at that first race, do you remember what you were, how many people were there? How many people did you hope for? I think we were, I think our break even was about 200 people uh, at that time. And we hit 350. We, we were quite happy. It felt like we organized the Olympics. I saw 350 people and I was like, wow, this has never <laughs> been so much work in my life. <laughs> but uh, after that, it just kept on going up and up and up. And well, you mentioned these five events that yeah. are now every year. Like I say, we're going to come to those in a second, discuss those. But COVID, let's talk about COVID for yeah. a second. Yeah. Because I, what can we say? We're coming out of the COVID season, which is brilliant. And no one really wants to talk about the last two years. It's been tough. It's been heartbreaking. It's been uh, devastating in some respects. But it's also been really, really tough on people like yourself Definitely. who organize yeah. these events. Now, the irony of it is if you can get people out and get them active they're going to build their immune system against a virus. So lots of people have different opinions about what should or shouldn't happen, and that's not really my question, but obviously it impacted the grid massively because yes, you weren't able to massively. do anything. Well, with us it was even, not to say worse than others, but we felt it for sure because uh, October 2019 we had the largest grid um, we have ever had, which was 3,200 people, which is massive. Um, so what happened after that? We said, okay, we have to get bigger. So the money we made from the events, we decided, okay, we're reinvesting. So we, we reinvested in all branding, new garage, new obstacles that we had, and we spent, let's say, most of the money. So what happened was we spent two years just fighting a cash flow problem that came about because of an un unexpected pandemic. People don't see this on the other side. They don't know what you're going through, which is understandable. But we try to explain it in the best way and offer, offer other options, you know. Um, but still, it caused a lot of cash flow problems that we're, we're still obviously recuperating from. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Um, but I hope, I hope that COVID has taught people the, the importance of fitness and the importance of being outside in the... <laughs> People couldn't have been happy locked at home for two years and with the masks and everything. So now I'm hoping people say, oh, there's a race. Let's go do it. Let's even just walk it. Let's have some fun, you know, and get outside, be healthy. You have loads of time to stay at home. OK, yes, we've so, had our indoors yeah. time. Now, so for me, it's loads. <laughs> <laughs> but one of one of the things I think we all felt during during COVID and through the, the pandemic was that one excuse to be able to get outside and not wear a mask is if you were being active. You could actually yeah. get away with not wearing a mask if you were exactly. running. And I know, <laughs> you know, I was training through the pandemic, but there were a lot of people I saw that would be on my regular dog walk or whatever who, who would see a warden and suddenly start walking <laughs> very quickly or running just because they didn't have a mask on. Yeah. No, the, that feeling, yes. Um, I used to use that excuse as well, even if I wasn't training. <laughs> I, I wouldn't take a mask. Oh, I'm running. <laughs> Quick, there's a wooden run. Exactly. But, um, but no, COVID was a very, very strange two years. It feels really long, but now that it, we're in this moment, it feels like it's gone and it's not coming back. But Let's hope so. It, hopefully we take the bad and throw it and keep the good and we, we learn our lesson, you know, and take care. Did you see a, a decline in interest at all 
for the grid because now we're coming back up. We've got the big event in May. What's what's been the response to that? Well, the response has been absolutely fantastic. I was really not, like when we were meeting sponsors and we were meeting stakeholders and so on, I was telling them, look, this is going to be a rebuilding year. Um, we launched a new event this year that maybe we shouldn't have launched because we're coming out of COVID, but we said, look, we're going to go ahead and, and we launch it. So we were taking it as a experience building year and we just... People are attacking for tickets. It's like we're at 1,800 1, people now. So we're really looking forward to put on a good show so people can have some fun, be healthy, and interact with each other. Well, I'm going to come back to something that you said before because you talked about there being a new grid added to the portfolio. And something you said before we, we started recording was you said that there are, I said there's a lot of events, and you said there are too many events. Yes. And there's also a huge growth in OCR as well. So what did you mean by that, that there's too many events, when you yourself are growing the events anyway? We're growing, obviously, we're growing the grid, and there's, but we're OCR. We're maybe, okay, there's maybe another franchise that might try and come in and so on, which is maybe healthy. But when it comes down to, there's something every weekend now, whereas in before there was something every three, four months. So people are having to choose. Look, I'm going to go and run uh, that town's 5K. I'm going to go and run that towns 10k and his friend might go to the other one you know if they're happening together it's not healthy if the organizers are discussing and helping each other and this is healthy okay leave a gap speak to organizers of other races just make sure your events don't hit on the same day it will benefit everyone um, i think loads of people will do most events if they can and if there isn't a scheduling problem so if the organizers communicate and work for the overall good and the overall benefit of the participants, then you can find a balance to work hand in hand across events. You're absolutely right. And with regards to running, I'm, yeah. you're referring, there are five 10Ks and five 10Ks are relatively easy distances. There are five 10Ks happening every weekend. Every weekend. That's what, and and, now, and that's what because, I meant by it. Is this because we've just come out of COVID and now suddenly we can have them? Or is, was this a trend before I think COVID? it was building up before i think it was building up before and now it's just that people have everything on hold they had everything planned and now they're releasing everything and everything's happening um, the difference between running and ocr obviously is that if you have a 10k ocr course you can change it up by changing the obstacles like we do if you have a 10k course the most you can do is change maybe a street because it's quite hard to change the streets as well because of the traffic because of restrictions and permits so relatively rough running is fighting each other because it's running ocr is okay they have that to that obstacle and they have that obstacle let's do them both because they're totally different you know so it's a matter of working hand in hand and trying not to make uh, events clash on the same dates let's talk about the different races that you have. Yeah. <laughs> because you have multiple events. Now, I, let's say we've got the Grid Classic, which is the 16 kilometers. No, we, we've shortened it. it it's <gasps> 10. Oh, that's very it's achievable. 10. It's 10, yes. <laughs> that's we, nice and comfortable. Uh, and so a lot of people are happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Grid Classic is in, uh, on the 28th of May, and it's 10 kilometers in Pembroke. It used to be 14, but we, we've taken off a piece. I remember. You also have the Grid Lock. We have the gridlock, which happens in September. That is a three-day event. It's a totally different thing. That's 400 meters. 
Um, it's a bit like I like to compare it to Formula One, where you have Friday and Saturday, you have to set your best time. The top 30 participants pass to a knockout round on the Sunday. So you have to be top 30 time to get to the knockout rounds on the Sunday. On the Sunday, you could lose on your first round. You're a group of four, only the first two pass, the second two are out. And it keeps on going until we're left with the overall winner, which is, it's, it's great to watch. It's great, a lot of competition uh, and it's picking up also. So it's, it's nice. Brilliant. But then you have the grid sprint. Then we have the grid sprint, which is the, one of the most popular, which is held in Golden Bay. That's six kilometers of absolute beautiful scenario. You know, you're running on the beach. Golden Bay is absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's the most popular, I think, because it's 6K. <laughs> <laughs> and people say, ah, OK, I can do 6K, even though the actual run is probably harder than the 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you have grid elite, which is a... Uh, we have, now we have the grid arena. Okay, Grid Arena. Now, the concept behind the Grid Arena came because, obviously, being competitive people ourselves, we wanted to entice and give opportunities to the elite athletes. Now, um, the Grid Arena is for both. It's for the same. Our, our events are open to everyone. So you have the elite section, and then you have the guys who are doing it for fun. The Grid Arena ties in the four events, and we're going to make a league where you gather points across the four events. Um, then the overall man, woman will win a nice cash prize. That it's it's very Everybody's very very, very cash interesting. Price. Thank yes. you very I, much indeed. I think there's like a ten thousand euro cash pot at okay, the end nice. to, to after all the events. So and Grid Arena is when Grid Arena will be held in the National Football Stadium on the sixteenth of July. Okay, we are going to be the first ever sport non-football to be placed inside the stadium nice that's quite nice that is really nice the feeling is amazing even though it's not the biggest of stadiums (laughs) the feeling of being inside the stadium is really really nice yeah coming from a basketball player (laughs) well the one last on the list that i love is my favorite when i is it your favorite this is grid kids by far yes now i happen to stumble across grid kids uh just a, a few months ago yeah and Seeing these kids running out yeah. and running over these obstacles with their parents in, in some cases. In some cases, yes. was so lovely. And this was over at Golden Bay. Golden Bay. Uh, we did it in the Scouts area last year. We just did the, the one for this year. Uh, this year we had a total over three days of around 1,500 kids. So you can imagine the noise. But it was absolutely fantastic seeing the kids being active seeing them smile help each other even you know helping each other over big haystacks it's it's beautiful just seeing the smiles and the laughs what was even better this year that um, they approached us for an autistic school or association to come and do it and we had about 20 autistic kids that came and i'm telling you these are the most courageous kids i have ever seen they tackled the obstacles like some of them were going down the slide into the pool three, four times. It was great to see. Uh, they're welcome anytime, obviously, but it's really nice to see these ages taking part. Well, th- this is Mike. This is what really stunned me. I was doing a run. I was doing a, a trail run. I actually just fallen over and really hurt myself, <laughs> and I was covered in blood. <laughs> that was <laughs> <And> a sight. <laughs> it's not an unusual sight, unfortunately. And I, my my running buddy and I came past. We yeah. were running back to the car. And we could hear this noise yeah, the screaming, literally kilometers the away. 
But coming in, and I just came in to take some pictures, seeing those kids just, as you said, so excited. Yes, yes, yes. Like, you can imagine, because even before the race starts at Agrid, you see panic on some adults' faces. Of course you do. <laughs> even at the finish line, some adults, you know, they get scared. And Imagine this on a four-year-old, a five-year-old. And we were expecting, okay, these guys are going to be terrified. But it was actually the opposite. Most of them are less scared than the adults. You know, they take it on, like, I have no problem with this. I'm going for it. You know, then obviously you have some that need that extra encouragement. But seeing these kids just on top of the world is amazing. Well, look, we talked about inspiring young people. We started right in the very beginning. You said something very, very important. You talked about running being painful, but you also talked about that first step to getting fit. Now, if somebody's thinking about, even about the grid, if they're thinking about OCR, even if they're thinking about running, and myself included, that taking that first step it's and saying, I'm going to get yeah. off my back, exactly, I'm going to get off my backside and I'm going to start. That is the biggest barrier, Definitely. but it's also the most important step because as soon as you've done it, it's, it becomes it easier. It opens you, so many doors when you, as soon as you've done that first step that we're saying, it opens everything. Your mindset changes. I've seen so many people from, from my, obviously my experience within the grid that never used to train before our first grid in 2016. Now some of them are coaches, some of them have lost, lost tons of weight, some of them are bodybuilders, you know, and that all comes from being able to achieve a course we did in 2016, which was quite easy if you compare it to today. But when someone like, I speak with family and I have family that say, no, I won't do the grid because it's too tough. I tell them, no, do it, just walk it, walk it. Walk it, run 100 meters, walk again. Just do it. You're getting yourself there. You're seeing other people doing it. And then you're seeing other people going, oh, I could do that and I could do it. It's changing that mindset of being scared. Even just going helps you motivate yourself. Just get on the course and then you're going to go. If you do it in two hours, I assure you at the finish line, you're going to say, okay, next year I want to do it in one hour 50. You know, it's, it's just getting that first step. And, and I've seen it a lot. And one of the things that me and the guys are, are most proud of, I think, that we made people so active uh, through a, an event that came from nothing. That is a fantastic legacy. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite. And now seeing the kids makes it even, even better. My last question to you <laughs> is, have you done the grid course? Have you actually done it? Parts of. Oh! <laughs> I... Well, I used to run that course, but I never did the jump, if that's what you're coming to. So to explain, there is within the grid, the yes, grid classic. Eight there, meter plunge. There is, there, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Have you done it? I haven't. <gasps> Michael I haven't. Naudi, I challenge I, I, you. I actually found the jump and someone has tested it. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you. That's it. Michael Naudi, I'm never going to do the grid classic <laughs> until you've done that jump. Would you? We'll jump, we'll jump both. We'll I'll go and do it my, together. I'll jump with my armbands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, listen, I'm wishing everybody who takes part in the, yeah. in the grid, any of the grids, I wish them the very, very best. It really is a great way of getting out there. And thank you so much for your, your example and also for just leaving that legacy of getting people active and That's motivating. That's what it's all about. Just go out, do something, train, train with friends. It makes it easier. Do races, do hours, do someone else's, just do something and it helps. It helps your mindset so much. Brilliant. 
Thank you so Thank much you. for being on the interview, Michael. Thank you very much.